Chapter seventeen through twenty one, Book seven, Volume one of Le Morte d'Arthur by Sir Thomas Mallory. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. L I B R I V O X dot O R G. Read by Marco of New Orleans, two thousand and seven. Chapter seventeen. And then thus they fought till it was past noon, and never would stint, till at the last they lacked wind both, and then they stood wagging and scattering, panting, blowing, and bleeding, that all that beheld them for the most part wept for pity. So when they had rested them a while, they yeeded to battle again, tracing, racing, foining as two boars, and at some time they took their turn as it had been two rams, and hurtled together, that some time they fell groveling to the earth, and at some time they were so amazed that either took other sword instead of his own. Thus they endured till evensong time, that there was none that beheld them might know whether it was like to win the battle, and their armor was so forehewn that men might see their naked sides, and in other places they were naked, but ever the naked places they did defend. And the Red Knight was a wily knight of war, and his wily fighting taught Sir Beaumain to be wise, but he abought it full sore, or he did espy his fighting. And thus by assent of them both they granted either other to rest, and so they set them down upon two molehills, there beside the fighting-place, and either of them unlaced his helm and took the cold wind, for either of their pages was fast by them to come when they called to unlace their harness, and to set them on again at their commandment. And then when Sir Beaumain's helm was off, he looked up to the window, and there he saw the fair lady, Dame Lyonesse, and she made him such countenance that his heart waxed light and jolly, and therewith he bade the Red Knight of the Red Lands make him ready, and let us do battle to the utterance. I will well, said the knight, and then they laced up their helms, and their pages avoided, and they stepped together and fought freshly. But the Red Knight of the Red Lands awaited him, and at an overthwart smote him within the hand that his sword fell out of his hand. And yet he gave him another buffet upon the helm that he fell groveling to the earth, and the Red Knight fell over him for to hold him down. Then cried the maiden Lynette on high, O oh, Sir Beaumain, where is thy courage become? Alas, my lady, my sister, beholdeth thee, and she sobbeth and weepeth, that maketh mine heart heavy. When Sir Beaumain heard her say so, he abrayed up, and with a great might, and gat him upon his feet, and lightly he leapt to his sword, and gripped it in his hand, and doubled his pace unto the Red Knight, and there they fought a new battle together. But Sir Beaumain then doubled his strokes, and smote so thick that he smote the sword out of his hand, and then he smote him upon his helm that he fell to the earth, and Sir Beaumain fell upon him, and unlaced his helm to have slain him. And then he yielded him, and asked mercy, and said with a loud voice, O noble knight, I yield me to thy mercy. Then Sir Beaumain bethought him upon the knights that he had made to be hanged shamefully, and then he said, I may not with my worship save thy life, for the shameful deaths that thou hast caused many full good knights to die. Sir, said the Red Knight of the Redlands, hold your hand, and you shall know the causes why I put them to so shameful a death. Say on, said Sir Beaumain. Sir, I loved once a lady, a fair damsel, and she had her brother slain, and she said it was Sir Lancelot de Lake, or else Sir Gawain. And she prayed me, as that I loved her heartily, that I would make her a promise by the faith of my knighthood, for to labor daily in arms, unto I met with one of them, and all that I might overcome, I should put them unto a villainous death. And this is the cause that I have put all these knights to death, and so I ensured her to do all the villainy unto King Arthur's knights, and that I should take vengeance upon all these knights. And, sir, now I will tell thee that every day my strength increaseth till noon, and all this time have I seven men's strength. Chapter 18 Then came there many earls and barons and noble knights, and prayed to that knight to save his life, and to take him to your prisoner, and all they fell upon their knees, and prayed him of mercy that he would save his life. 
and sir they all said it were fairer of him to take homage and fealty and let him hold his lands of you than for to slay him by his death ye shall have none advantage and his misdeeds that be done may not be undone and therefore he shall make amends to all parties and we all will become your men and do you homage and fealty fair lord said beaumain wit you well i am full loath to slay this knight nevertheless he hath done passing ill and shamefully but insomuch all that he did was at a lady's request i blame him the less and so for your sake i will release him that he shall have his life upon this covenant that he go within the castle and yield him there to the lady and if she will forgive him and quit him i will well with this he make her amends of all the trespass he hath done against her and her lands and also when that is done that ye go unto the court of king arthur and there that he asks sir lancelot mercy and sir gawaine for the evil will ye have had against them sir said the red knight of the red lands all this will i do as ye command and sicker assurance and borrows ye shall have and so then when the assurance was made he made his homage and fealty and all those earls and barons with him and then the maiden Lynette came to sir beaumain and unarmed him and searched his wounds and stinted his blood and in likewise she did to the red knight of the red lands and there they sojourned ten days in their tents and the red knight made his lords and servants to do all the pleasure that they might unto sir beaumain and so within a while the red knight of the red lands yede unto the castle and put him in her grace and so she received him upon sufficient surety so all her hurts were well restored of all that she could complain and then he departed unto the court of king arthur and there openly the red knight of the red lance put him in the mercy of sir lancelot and sir gawaine and there he told openly how he was overcome and by whom and also he told all the battles from the beginning unto the ending jesu mercy said king arthur unto sir gawaine we marvel much of what blood he has come for he is a noble knight have ye no marvel said sir lancelot for ye shall right well wit that he is come of a full noble blood and as for his might and hardiness there be but few now living that is so mighty as he is and so noble of prowess it seemeth by you said king arthur that ye know his name and from whence he is come and of what blood he is i suppose i do so said lancelot or else i would not have given him the order of knighthood but he gave me such charge at that time that i should never discover him until he required me or else it be known openly by some other Chapter 19. Now turn we unto Sir Beaumain, that desired of Lynette that he might see her sister, his lady. Sir, she said, I would fain ye saw her. Then Sir Beaumain all armed him, and took his horse and his spear, and rode straight unto the castle. And when he came to the gate, he found there many men armed, and pulled up the drawbridge, and drew the port close. Then marveled he why they would not suffer him to enter, and then he looked up to the window, and there he saw the fair Leonesse that said on high, Go thy way, Sir Beaumain, for as yet thou shalt not have holy my love, unto the time that thou be called one of the number of the worthy knights. And therefore go labor and worship this twelvemonth, and then thou shalt hear new tidings. Alas, fair lady, said Beaumain, I have not deserved that ye should show me this strangeness, and I had weened that I should have right good cheer with you, and unto my power I have deserved thank, and well I am sure I have bought your love with part of the best blood within my body. Fair courteous knight, said Dame Leonesse, be not displeased, nor over hasty, for wit you well, your great travail nor good love shall not be lost, for I consider your great travail and labor, your bounty and your goodness, as me ought to do, and therefore go on your way, and look that ye be of good comfort, for all shall be for your worship, and for the best, and perdi a twelvemonth will soon be done, and trust me, fair knight, I shall be true to you, and never to betray you, but to my death I shall love you, and none other and therewithal she turned her from the window, and Sir Beaumain rode a wayward from the castle, making great dole. 
And so he rode here and there, and wist not where he rode, till it was dark night. And then it happened him to come to a poor man's house, and there he was harbored all that night. But Sir Beaumain had no rest, but wallowed and writhed for the love of the lady of the castle. And so upon the morrow he took his horse, and rode until Undern, and then he came to a broad water, and thereby was a great lodge, and there he alighted to sleep, and laid his head upon the shield, and betook his horse to the dwarf, and commanded him to watch all night. Now turn me to the lady of the same castle, that thought much upon Beaumain, and then she called unto her Sir Gringamore, her brother, and prayed him in all manner, as he loved her heartily, that he would ride after Sir Beaumain. And ever have ye wait upon him, till ye may find him sleeping, for I am sure in his heaviness he will alight down in some place, and lie him down to sleep. And therefore have ye your wait upon him, and in the priviest manner ye can, take his dwarf, and go ye your way with him as fast as ever ye may, or Sir Beaumain awake. For my sister Lynette telleth me that he can tell of what kindred he has come, and what is his right name. And the meanwhile I and my sister will ride unto your castle to await when ye bring with you the dwarf. And then when ye have brought him unto your castle, I will have him in examination myself. Unto the time that I know what is his right name, and of what kindred he is come, shall I never be merry at my heart. Sister, said Sir Gringamore, all this shall be done after your intent. And so he rode all the other day and the night, till that he found Sir Beaumain lying by a water, and his head upon his shield for to sleep. And then when he saw Sir Beaumain fast asleep, he came stilly stalking behind the dwarf, and plucked him fast under his arm, and so he rode away with him as fast as ever he might unto his own castle. And the Sir Gringamore's arms were all black, and that to him longeth. But ever as he rode with the dwarf toward his castle, he cried unto his lord, and prayed him of help. And therewith awoke Sir Beaumain, and up he leapt lightly, and saw where Sir Gringamore rode away with the dwarf, and so Sir Gringamore rode out of his sight. Chapter 20 Then Sir Beaumain put on his helm anon, and buckled his shield, and took his horse, and rode after him all that ever he might ride, through marshes and fields and great dales, that many times his horse and he plunged over the head in deep mires, for he knew not the way, but took the gainest way in that woodness, that many times he was like to perish. And at the last him happened to come to a fair green way, and there he met with a poor man of the country, whom he saluted, and asked him whether he met not with a knight upon a black horse, and all black harness, and a little dwarf sitting behind him with heavy cheer. Sir, said the poor man, here by me came Sir Gringamore the knight, with such a dwarf mourning, as ye say, and therefore I read you not follow him, for he is one of the perilous knights of the world, and his castle is here, nigh hand but two mile. Therefore we advise you ride not after Sir Gringamore, but if ye owe him good will. So leave we Sir Beaumain riding toward the castle, and speak we of Sir Gringamore and the dwarf. Anon, as the dwarf was come to the castle, Dame Lyonesse and Dame Lynette, her sister, asked the dwarf, where was his master born, and of what lineage he was come. And but if thou tell me, said Dame Lyonesse, thou shalt never escape this castle, but ever here to be prisoner. As for that, said the dwarf, I fear not greatly to tell his name, and of what kin he is come. Wit you well, he is a king's son, and his mother is sister to King Arthur, and he is brother to the good knight Sir Gawain, and his name is Sir Gareth of Orkney. And now I have told you his right name, I pray you, fair lady, let me go to my lord again, for he will never out of this country until that he have me again, and if he be angry he will do much harm, or that he be stint, and work you rack in this country. As for that threatening, said Sir Gringamore, be it as it be may, we will go to dinner. And so they washed, and went to meet, and made them merry and well at ease, and because the Lady Lyonesse of the castle was there, they made great joy. 
Truly, madam, said Lynette unto her sister, well may he be a king's son, for he hath many good tatches on him, for he is courteous and mild, and the most suffering man that ever I met withal. For I dare say there was never gentlewoman reviled man in so foul a manner as I have rebuked him, and at all times he gave me goodly and meek answers again. And as they sat thus talking, there came Sir Gareth in at the gate, with an angry countenance, and his sword drawn in his hand, and cried aloud that all the castle might hear it, saying, Thou traitor, Sir Gringamore, deliver me my dwarf again, or by the faith that I owe to the order of knighthood I shall do thee all the harm that I can. Then Sir Gringamore looked out at a window, and said, Sir Gareth of Horkney, leave thy boasting words, for thou gettest not thy dwarf again. Thou coward knight, said Sir Gareth, bring him with thee, and come and do battle with me, and win him and take him. So will I do, said Sir Gringamore, on me list, but for all thy great words thou gettest them not. Ah, fair brother, said Dame Leoness, I would he had his dwarf again, for I would he were not wroth, for now he hath told me all my desire, I keep no more of the dwarf. And also, brother, he hath done much for me, and delivered me from the red knight of the red lands, and therefore, brother, I owe him my service afore all knights living, and wit ye well that I love him before all other, and full fain I would speak with him. But in no wise I would that he wist what I were, but that I were another strange lady. Well, said Sir Gringamore, sithen I know now your will, I will obey now unto him. And right there withal he went down unto Sir Gareth, and said, Sir, I cry you mercy, and all that I have misdone, I will amend it at your will. And therefore I pray you that you would alight, and take such cheer as I can make you in this castle. Shall I have my dwarf? said Sir Gareth. Yea, sir, and all the pleasance that I can make you. For as soon as your dwarf told me what ye were, and of what blood ye are come, and what noble deeds ye have done in these marches, then I repented of my deeds. And then Sir Gareth alighted, and there came his dwarf, and took his horse. Oh, my fellow, said Sir Gareth, I have had many adventures for thy sake. And so Sir Gringamore took him by the hand, and led him into the hall where his own wife was. Chapter 21 And then came forth Dame Leoness, arrayed like a princess, and there she made him passing good cheer, and he her again, and they had goodly language and lovely countenance together. And Sir Gareth thought many times, Yezu would that the lady of the castle perilous were so fair as she was. There were all manner of games and plays and dancing and singing, and ever the more Sir Gareth beheld that lady, the more he loved her, and so he burned in love that he was past himself in his reason, and forth toward night they yede unto supper, and Sir Gareth might not eat, for his love was so hot that he wist not where he was. All these looks espied Sir Gringamore, and then at after supper he called his sister Dame Leoness into a chamber, and said, Fair sister, I have well espied your countenance betwixt you and this knight, and I will, sister, that ye wit, he is a full noble knight, and if ye can make him to abide here, I will do him all the pleasure that I can, for on ye were better than ye are, ye were well be wearied upon him. Fair brother, said Dame Leoness, I understand well that the knight is good, and come he is of a noble house. Notwithstanding, I will assay him better. Howbeit I am most beholden to him of any earthly man, for he hath had great labour for my love, and passed many a dangerous passage. Right so Sir Gringamore went unto Sir Gareth, and said, Sir, make ye good cheer, for ye shall have none other cause, for this lady, my sister, is yours at all times, her worship saved. For wit ye well, she loveth you as well as ye do her, and better, if better may be. An I wist that, said Sir Gareth, there lived not a gladder man than I would be. Upon my worship, said Sir Gringamore, trust unto my promise, and as long as it liketh you, ye shall sojourn with me, and this lady shall be with us daily and nightly to make you all the cheer that she can. I will well, said Sir Gareth, for I have promised to be nigh this country this twelvemonth, and well I am sure King Arthur and other noble knights will find me where that I am within this twelvemonth, for I shall be sought and found if that I be alive. 
And then the noble knight Sir Gareth went unto the dame Leoness, which he then much loved, and kissed her many times, and either made great joy of other, and there she promised him her love certainly, to love him and none other, the days of her life. Then this lady, Dame Leoness, by the assent of her brother, told Sir Gareth all the truth, what she was, and how she was the same lady that he did battle for, and how she was the lady of the castle perilous, and there she told him how she caused her brother to take away his dwarf for this cause, to know the certainty, what was your name, and of what kin ye were come. End of Book 7, Chapter 17-21, through 21, of Volume 1, of Lamour d'Artur, by Sir Thomas Mallory.